Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new The National Blast podcast with Keenan Skelly. Join Keenan and guests as they blast you to a place that is certainly not boring, yet still giving you highlights from areas in cyber where key policies and legislation are needed, exist, but aren't enforced, or no one is even talking about it. Knowledge is power. Now, more than ever. Hey, everybody. Welcome to 2023. It's been an interesting year already so far. No global... Yeah, I'm not even going to say that because it, it just made me want to like knock on wood or jinx it, but... It's a crazy year already, and I am super, super excited to be here with my friends and one of my favorite human beings in critical infrastructure, Ron. Ron, give us a little bit of an intro and tell us what exactly we're going to be talking about today. It's hard to believe it's only been two weeks this year, so great to see you again. Oh my gosh. Um, my name is Ron Fabella, CTO and co-founder of SynSaber. Um yeah, what a ride 2022 was. <laughs> um, and and in that vein, um, we've been tracking all of these CISA reported or amplified CVEs as related to industrial control systems, which are essentially vulnerabilities. And oh boy, what a mountain of data. So yeah. love to go through that with you and and our insights and and um, the spreadsheets and oh my gosh, so much good data in there. We're trying not to make too many um, assumptions on intent, but when you look at the data, you kind of go, oh, wow, there's some insights here. And the big question we're looking to answer and and kind of our, our main goal with this is that there are so many voices in industrial security that are like the threaty threats in Russia and look, things are getting worse. Uh, look at the numbers. We have more vulnerabilities this year than last year. When you actually look into them, uh, no one's really kind of speaking up for the operator community and the folks on the business end of this. And that's really when we go through the data, starting to bring some context of, hey, uh, you released all these vulnerabilities, but a lot of them aren't exploitable. A lot of them don't have patches. And so it's important well, that we get that out. Yeah. That was huge for me. So I read through the report and honestly, I definitely had some jaw dropping moments, just knowing a little bit about critical infrastructure. Uh, for example, one of the things that you highlighted as you know a key sort of finding is that in the second half of 22, 35% of the CVEs that were found have no patch or remediation available. That is huge. That is a huge number. And when you think about all of the, the as you said, the fear-based or fear-driven propaganda that kind of goes out about critical infrastructure. But then you see on the other side of it that, you know, industry is not necessarily being held to task to actually find remediation for this. How, how does CISA, how do legislators, how do people look at critical infrastructure companies and say, this is your fault and you have to fix it when the vendors aren't providing those fixes? And it, it's such a difficult and complex uh, challenge. So one, um, it's very easy to find vulnerabilities in legacy systems. So just as a researcher, if you wanted to get a CVE to your name and, and feel like you're doing something good for the community, you're not going to go after the latest and greatest. It's expensive, hard to get, et cetera. Um, so naturally, it's a target-rich environment. So that's number one. Um, but then compound that with the fact that a lot of these vulnerabilities 
uh, which we're going to look into into the data again, a lot of the systems are six, eight, 10 years old. So from the OEM stance, they're saying, whoa, uh, thanks for the vulnerability, we're not putting out a patch for a product line we no longer support. And then the asset owner sits back and goes, well, thanks researcher, thanks CISA, thanks OEM for adding another list to our risk registry, our plan of action milestone, whatever they're doing, because we can't do anything about this. So um, what it, not what it seems like, but when you look at the data, you get this feeling of everyone's incentivized to create CVEs, create reports. CISA almost has to amplify if something's reported to them. It would almost be a disservice if they didn't report publicly. Absolutely. And so everyone's stuck in this cycle of not necessarily running up the numbers, but the numbers are only gonna get larger and larger. And the asset owner and the operator community sits back and goes, thanks for another third of the total reported for you know this half, the whole year, et cetera, that we can do nothing about even if we had time, money, resources, even if it applied to us. And so the term forever day was something from, you know, the, the history of S4, it was something we joked about. Um, you know, you have zero days that don't have patches yet, and you have forever days that will never have a patch. And a lot of these vulnerabilities, the vendor just says, hey, that's cute. We're never going to fix this. Upgrade to the new hotness. So just a side note, you mentioned S4, and S4 is a conference um, that highlights critical infrastructure. It's coming up pretty soon. Can you talk a little bit more about that conference and how this kind of issue, you know, that is one of the only places that critical infrastructure owners on operators get to chat with vendors about some of these issues? Uh, S4 historically is, is, I describe it as like ICS security. It's our Super Bowl. Right, everyone should go once at least um, to see the spectacle. Uh, Dale Peterson uh, started this uh, back in 2007. I've been going since around 2012, and it was you know 30 people in a conference room. It was the nerdiest of the nerd, and it was the place that you could uh, be with your fellow nerds and display this type of research. Hey, I found this vulnerability. I found this exploit. Uh, this attack path. And it was still a very niche and closed market. Now you have security vendors and uh, OEMs and asset owners and, and researchers, researchers and yeah, actually showing up. And um, you know, vulnerability and exploit research makes for great talks. It's interesting. It's intriguing. It has a story and it has impact. Uh, but now we have this new component, which is CISA. And I think even though for much of uh, industry they are not a regulator. They, and they even say this, you know, we're not a regulator, we are here to guide, set standards, assist the, the public-private partnership. And a lot of the topics uh, recently have been, you know, what is CISA doing to amplify certain areas? And is that actually helping the community? Um, I think we talked before about the Shields Up program, right? Mm-hmm. Um, was this something uh, that we can quantify and measure and did it have positive impact? And right now, CVEs, because the numbers keep on going up, that is the conversation and will be the conversation as for is what do we do with all this? So much of it is not actionable. And I think that's the key theme for 2023 is what's practical and what's actionable because we have just overwhelmed our operating community with all this guidance and, and theory. And I think that's where, you know, some of the, from the legislative side, from the policy side, you know, there's been a lot of back and forth about reporting and what you should report and how you have to report it. And in some cases, you know, what, 
what you can actually get from the government in terms of grants. If you have a certain number of CVEs or if you have a certain number of this, all of that has been happening for the last six months to a year and will continue to happen for the next six months to a year probably. When it comes to how to report CVEs and how does that impact critical infrastructure and then eventually other folks, what do you think about that? Like, how is that how are we even going to get a grasp on that when we know that vendors themselves are not addressing the, in, the issues? It's tough because I am not a big security via obscurity guy. Um, now, some obscurity would be nice sometimes. <laughs> we don't have to make it easy. But you're right. This, uh, from a volume stance, makes it more difficult to track. And now we're starting to attach so many important business elements to metrics like how vulnerable you are, um, you know, remote connectivity, incident response, those kind of things. And, and it spiders out into insurance and regulation and, you know, whether your CEO is going to be brought before a subcommittee after an event. These are the questions they're asking is why, when did you know and why didn't you do anything about it? And so what we're seeing in the vulnerability reports is uh, an expansion of numbers and coverage um, and well-intended perhaps, but we're not helping, at least I believe, and the numbers show is that we're not really helping our operator community. One example, I love Siemens product cert. They are consistently in what you saw in the report from an OEM stance and even just from a volume stance, they're reporting something like almost 50% of all reported vulnerabilities. You know, um, so that, that was really surprising to me. And in fact, uh, the fact that only 43% was reported by security researchers, which versus the commercial sector is a really low number. Mm -hmm. um, you know, security researchers spend a lot of time focused on commercial side. Um, so it's, I think it's great that Siemens is kind of coming up to make up for that because right now it looks like the general security research community is like, we don't, we don't want to deal with ICS. Like it's important, mm -hmm. but you know, that's for somebody else to deal with. I think from a volume stance, Siemens is just overwhelming everyone. Um, and this happened, I don't know if it was the pandemic or maybe they got some cool new tools, but. So is this part of Siemens mission? kind of to do this reporting? Is this something they've always done or is this something that, you know, they've kind of gotten into more as regulation has looked like it might be coming or as CISA has identified and the White House have identified that CVEs are crucial? Siemens has always taken the lead from a product cert or a product computer emergency response type uh, approach. And what we've seen is this transition. If you go on the Wayback Machine, uh, in the Stuxnet days, if you were giving a presentation on one of their devices at Black Hat or DEF CON, you may get a legal cease and desist. So this is a huge shift from uh, very restrictive, protecting the brand, uh, kind of being closed off, and now just using CVE reports or vulnerability reports to CISA almost as like a self-reporting tool. And it's interesting to see because they're self-reporting in such a volume that it is overwhelming the other metrics. And around 2020, I don't know if it was the pandemic or they got some new shiny tools to automate all this, but their numbers like doubled year over year for the number of, of reports. And we even see that in the second half. What's interesting and what we've seen even in the second half is that they're reporting on things that again, aren't fixable. And even in some of the advisories, they say they're either working on it or they have no intention to fix it. So 
Now, it comes back. Mm -hmm. just out of curiosity, how many of the things they're reporting on are actually their own vulnerabilities that don't have oh. a a hundred percent are their own <laughs> I'm like, hey, that's a hard question, but. Well, it would be interesting. Um, I don't know how this would play out, but like for Siemens to report Schneider Electric bugs or something, like almost like a competitive right. thing, but we haven't seen that yet. Um, that would be spicy. Uh, but, but also, are... I feel like I feel like that uh, as a business person and an entrepreneur, I feel like that's almost kind of the logic we need to start applying to critical infrastructure, right? Like we know that a lot of issues, especially again, when you look at the fact that thirty five percent have no patch or remediation, we look at industry to to tell us who's better, right? To compare and right. contrast themselves, and maybe for ICS, this is something that they should be doing is saying, well, we reported all of these CVEs on us, our own stuff that we're working through, but these other eight companies, this is where they stand on that. Do you think that would be helpful or not helpful kind of in this space? It's helpful context because a common misconception, you could look at the numbers and go, wow, Siemens had 500 vulnerabilities this year. Yokogawa had none. Yokogawa must be more secure. And it's completely the opposite, right? Yokogawa is just not reporting anything. Right. And so, right. so it's actually an indication of a very mature or at least a, a self-inflection process. They're going to be completely transparent. I think the numbers are showing at least, you know, one of the insights that could be gleaned is that maybe they're being too transparent. Uh, one of the examples is they use Linux as a subsystem for an S7 1500 PLC, a programmable logic controller really popular product line. Um, Siemens doesn't create the Linux kernel though. One of the, one of the CISA advisories was Siemens self-reporting hundreds of Linux vulnerabilities going back to like 2011. And so it, it pumps up the numbers. These are things that Siemens cannot necessarily patch themselves. It's almost like a Windows patch. They have to evaluate, et cetera. So what was the value to the community of self-reporting 100 more CVEs? I'm not sure. Um, I, from a business perspective, mm -hmm. I think it's really smart. And I wish more ICS vendors were doing this because it says, look, we're paying attention. We're cataloging all of this. We know what we have and what we don't have. And we also know what we can fix and what we can't fix. So here's everything. And we will tell you from, there's no way that we can fix this without supply chain A, B, and C getting involved. Mm -hmm right? There's a hundred percent chance we can fix this. We just don't have enough people to deal with it right now and we're working our way through the list. I think that's incredibly smart, especially when critical infrastructure owners and operators start to think about possible reporting requirements that are coming from the government, from, you know, legislation, from CISA in the future. I think it's super smart. And I think what, I feel like that would be super amazing if the other companies followed suit. And I think that honestly, they may have to, right? Because Siemens is setting this standard of of transparency. That's like, look, this is what we got. Mm -hmm. And here's no, it's a great, it's an excellent point, and it's something I think a lot of people miss. Is even though it's new, and new things are sometimes uh, interesting or scary, or like, oh, why are they doing this? Um, it is an exceptional template for every other vendor to go through and be as as transparent because typically that level of effort was transferred to the asset owner or the customer it was up to them to self-discover 
what Windows patches were missing or not. And so vulnerability management programs were just this slog of, you know, lookups and everything else. So they are handing it on a platter uh, to their customers, which is what they should be doing. And especially when you look at newer technologies, new buzzwords like SBOM, right? Is that going to be regulated and forced? Yep. Uh, they are generating essentially an SBOM or a vulnerability list for their own product lines, and they are the best people equipped to do that. It shouldn't be left up to the general populace to self-discover these things. It will be interesting to see how the other vendors are either forced to, either by peer pressure or by regulation, they go and do this. And so what happens when Linux is like, thanks Siemens, that was great, we're not playing and we don't want to fix anything. Not that I'm saying that Linux would do that. I'm just using this as an mm -hmm. example. I'm sure Linux is a very stand-up company who is just going to fix mm -hmm. everything. Right, right, right. Sure. So, <laughs> but uh, one of the challenges that SBOM is, is looking to solve is uh, these smaller organizations. Like the joke, you know, it's two people in Nebraska that are maintaining this yeah. library that is the underpinning for all of critical infrastructure around the world. Can governments through regulation force them into secure coding practices and vulnerability disclosure reporting and yada, yada, yada? Like, For no, that guy at a critical yeah. dam that feeds water to a massive population who is literally not even an IT guy. It's like Bob, Bob, whatever. And he's just doing the best that he can, right? Right. That's when it gets but, really complicated. And that kind of context is what we're looking at in this report is the idea of the security community engine is gonna go burnt, right? It's gonna go, it's gonna generate vulnerabilities. We're gonna have blog posts and articles. Sys is gonna put out advisory. Uh, you know, talking heads are gonna go, oh, the industry's getting worse. Uh, still, Bob at the water treatment plant is going, uh, is this any any of this applicable to me? Uh, which one should I focus on first? Exactly. Do I even have patches? And when you break down the numbers, it starts to become more manageable where you go, wait, we're really dealing with two thirds that have fixed actions. Yep. Not what Sista throws in every advisory, you know, make sure you're on a VPN, nothing's hanging off a showdown. Okay, fair, right? Um, but do we have patches? And then they can start going down that list. And the methodology that we outline in these type of reports is the same methodology folks should be going down as well is, is it applicable to me? Uh, what's the CVSS score? Does that have any indicators on importance or criticality? Another one is practical exploitation. If I need local and physical access to a controller at a sewage treatment plant, I don't need a fancy exploit to do anything, right? I'm, I've already gained access and control. So some of those can be wiped around, wiped out as well. You know, there was a significant amount still that require local and physical access. And it's just not that practical in industrial. So as asset owners can start to replicate this process and go, oh, it's not, this product line we don't have, uh, this one we do. Let's look at the critical ones first. Oh, this one requires you to be at the device. Well, we don't have to worry about that. They can start to fit this into their normal maintenance cycle. Yes. And maybe, you know, make things more secure, push the needle, but hopefully. And then it feels like bite-sized chunks, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of eating the entire elephant at one sitting every time. Right. And it's, uh, it's difficult because no one is incentivized. And the reason why we're so passionate about this is no one's standing up going, hey, cyber's important. Uh, operations and safety is more important, but cyber's important. Here's how it ties. And here are manageable, practical things you can do you know, to go through this big thousand page list and get it down to things that actually matter to you. 
and no one's really representing it that way. And no, that's no, nobody is, especially not Congress, <laughs> especially not, you know, we went from, and you and I have talked about this before, we went from no visibility on the Hill or policy to a like microscopic view of everything. And now it's, you know, the sky is falling and we have to do these things. So how, how can we use this kind of a report to educate legislators and say, look, just calm down for a second. You need to focus on some other things. You need to focus on vendors. You need to focus on this. How do we, how do we do that? How do we use your report to change the world? Basically. I'm going to channel Dale Peterson a bit, uh, but something he's been saying recently that I'm really digging is, you know, CISA is a great uh, mouthpiece, great messaging. They're on point with their kind of grasp of the market. And if we can influence CISA to start looking at things like uh, vendor processes, uh, procurement language, more of the architectural issues instead of like the yeah. specific, this product line has a bug, then we can start to move folks on the hill because they have a lot of momentum right now. It's so tough because we, I feel like we just now in the past five years started to educate folks on the hill on normal oh, yeah. cybersecurity. Absolutely. Right? So, so now we have to like sh shift and be like, well, it's different in ICS and here's why. It's like, oh, that's so, um, so I think instead of, you know, more kind of granular, they're just, just like churning out CV advisories it, and, and especially stuff about the Russians. I think everyone's sick of hearing about the cyber war that never happened and everything else. Can we get some kind of practical implementation guides, some practical guidance that the asset owners OEMs aren't going to like this, can use against their vendors. Yes. Be like, look, I have something from the government that says you should not hard code credentials. And we have data over here that says, you know, so many hundreds of vulnerabilities are re related to hard coded credentials. So as part of procurement, Standard. we're going to deliver a system that doesn't have this, right? And yep. only then will we actually make meaningful, proactive movement from a regulation and government side. Because even if regulators come in and be like, we're gonna be measuring you against this, at least they can do something about it. 100%, I mean, you know, we keep talking about, you know, all the other sectors that have had regulation over the last, you know, 20 years, whatever. And they got to a place where they needed regulation because of the same thing that is happening right now, because they couldn't control outside forces, because they couldn't control contact. Uh, contractors because they couldn't control other companies that were supporting supply chain is not a new issue. Like it's been around forever. If you think about the cold war, it's been around forever. So why are we still confused when it comes to cybersecurity, especially with ICS that, you know, these things are out there. They are important. They are an issue. And why is it taking us so long to get to the point where we say, okay, we want to fix this, but let's do it the right. Let's, do it the non-fear way, which I think, you know, is the Russia way, the way of Russia. <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna sound weird coming from a security vendor, but the main value prop for ICS is not security. It's not cybersecurity. Absolutely. And I think our our enterprise cousins, it, it definitely is. They've had use case after use case. We can go way back to the, the Sony breach, right? Like we can go, and, and it's so tough because the velocity in industrial is so much slower. The number of attacks, like public attacks that we can reference. The ability to upgrade technology. There, there's so many barriers. There's warranties, there's regulation, there's ops. 
uh, there's all these things that slow down this process. And because the value prop isn't there for security like in enterprise, I, I tend to agree with a lot of plant managers. It's like, look, I, I get two plant turns a year. I have to do all this maintenance because I need to make more widgets at a faster rate at a cheaper cost. I don't have time to do patches, even if you could convince me that I needed them. It's just not hitting their bottom line. So security as a, as a culture, industrial security as a whole, needs to start going after what's valuable to the operator. Start being an advocate, a champion for them, not to come and save the day, but to be a voice for them in the cybersecurity community and the regulation community to say, this is how we can practically move the needle as opposed to just keep overwhelming them and them keeping ignoring, ignoring it, which is essentially what's going on. So I'm gonna be a super anarchist radical, like I always am. <laughs> and I'm gonna suggest something crazy, right? Why isn't there a coalition that, maybe it's a part of CISA, maybe it's not, that is focused entirely on ICS vendors getting them in line mm -hmm. because you can't fix the owner operator issues without dealing with the vendor issues. And I feel like that's often overlooked. Right. I feel like, um, and I may be getting my references wrong, but you know, after solar winds, there was this like consortium of Microsoft and Google and Amazon, everyone coming together to not being forced to, but to say, look, we're addressing this type of issue. Right. And here's how and kind of a, a proof point as to how perhaps to stave off regulation, to be proactive and say, before you regulate us poorly, here's what we're doing successfully. And I just don't feel we've had that in industrial. We definitely uh, haven't had that in industrial. And we and need. So something crazier, a crazier idea, which I floated to some friends at CISA and everywhere else. And we all universally agreed it was a horrible idea. Uh, but look at the automobile <laughs> industry. Right. Look at the recall industry. Look at what uh, yes, automobile vendors yes. have to go through. Yes. You know, they and it does. There's no excuses. Oh, well, that airbag came from a subcontractor from a subcontractor. No, it's in your vehicle. It doesn't matter. You sold it's it. It's broke. Well, human being. And we've all universally said we do not need that level in industrial. But, you know, I think some level of accountability and responsibility on the OEM side, again, they're not going to like that. Or maybe like, and, and to your point about Siemens, maybe this is a great business decision. They are putting out metrics yes. that are stamped by a CISA that says, upgrade your product lines. I That's honestly think money for that them. was one of the smartest right. business decisions they've ever made because knowing that at most, I don't want to say most, I will say proportionally more of the ICS devices in the field right now belong to Siemens. So them coming out and being very transparent about what they have and what they don't have is just smart business in a world where regulation may be coming, where SBOM is now super important, where they can definitively point to the fact that, yeah, there are these CVEs, but we can't do anything about it because, mm -hmm. I mean, I, hate, I don't want to say blame shift, but reality check maybe it's always better to come with a mountain of data like when we were going through audits and pre-audits whoever had the most three ring binders was one going to win the day yep. so they have all their ducks in a row they know exactly where things are and i think it is both you know kind of evil bottom line business hey we might get more warranties and service contracts out of this but also just being altruistically proactive uh, people yeah. should know the quality of the software and devices they're producing and i think they're doing an excellent job there it 
it's, it does um, feel like a leading industry kind of activity. Like we know things are coming and, and we want people to know, here's the data, here you go. Right. And so, you know, and the other half of this story is you mentioned the security vendors before the security researchers, we're seeing a kind of aggregation through trend zero day initiative, which they'll be at S4 as well. And the, Z the ZDI is this, it's a clearinghouse. But what I love about ZDI and what I've learned about their process is that it's so rigorous. So me, independent researcher, finds a bug and I want to get paid for it, essentially. I go to ZDI, they validate that it's a real bug, not some fake, like, oh, Modbus doesn't have authentication bug. Yep. You know, whatever. You're like, um, great. <laughs> okay. Yeah, tell me something I don't know. And then they go with the vendor and they validate it and they they pay the, but this is all for the purpose of building a, a more secure community. Mm -hmm. And that process is awesome. What's interesting now is we're starting to see the security vendors, not since Avery, we're not going to do this, but security vendors have found value in attaching their name to CVEs. So we're seeing research groups, yes. we're seeing uh, named reports. And we kind of pick on it, but yeah, you know, to do a report that says, hey, ICS protocols are not secure. Okay, fine. Like I, you haven't helped the community at all, but we got some CVs generated and we're, we're seeing a- Got some press from it, that's okay, but mm -hmm. you didn't necessarily help drive it forward or provide a solution. Right, or um, maybe even more diabolical, there's a solution, but only we have it. Oh, okay, <laughs> or, yeah. this is my- and this is one of the things that I hate the most about cybersecurity as an industry right now is the competitiveness in the terms of I'm going to, I'm going to out secure you <laughs> and I can secure your things and you must come to me. And it, it's so defeatist and it always has been. And it's such a, um, uh, I have a friend who works for a very large antivirus company. It's not something you see in enterprise antivirus. There's a race maybe to uh, have more telemetry or, or finer tuned telemetry. As soon as there's uh, new malware, new ransomware, they are sharing it with the community. Exactly. Semantic sharing it to, and because it's, it's a global effort. They're, they know that marketing, that they have better analytics than the next guy is not going to win them customers. And so I think ICS security is still in that growth phase where they still feel that, no, my secret database is, is better than your secret database. Well, and I would say that, I mean, to the communities that are supporting it too, the security research community, um, you know, companies who are looking at finding vulnerabilities, having that power to say, I found, we found this many vulnerabilities and, and we were the ones that supported that. Well, at the end of the day, nobody cares, right? Because they were found and now people have to deal with it. So unless you're providing solutions to kind of help with that problem, it's, it's actually not about your company ego. It's not about I'm better than, it's about actually fixing the problems that we have. And and the dirty secret, like don't tell everyone, is that the- Wait, wait, let me go get the duct tape and a shovel. Hold on. We'll have to edit this out and post. The operator community could care less. Oh yeah. Who found what, who, who gave more keynotes, they yep. could really care less. And actually, it's it, it's a detractor. And I, I saw this when I was a penetration tester back in the day. If they feel like that having a relationship with you is going to end up in a black hat talk, they don't want to have the relationship. 100%. And that's now, why do, it's, it's a little troubling to see. I do that. think there are companies now, and I think Siemens was a great example of this, companies coming out now saying, okay, 
you know, as opposed to 15 years ago, like when you're talking about when nobody even wanted to talk to you, they're willing to come and say, okay, yes, that is an issue, but here's why it's an issue. Mm -hmm. They're willing to open the kimono just enough to say, this is important and we would love to fix it. However, these are our challenges. So help us with this and, and we can fix it, which I think is the most critical step to us actually, you know, moving forward in this space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're all trying to accomplish the same thing. The context is key, maybe more more so than in, in enterprise. Yeah, uh, you know, there was a few nasty Microsoft bugs that came out a week ago, and CISA said, "Thou shalt patch." That's more straightforward, right? Uh, we cannot do that in industrial. And I think as long as security vendors, researchers are coming in good faith, and not just trying to run up the numbers or make a name for themselves or do whatever, yeah. then we can actually move the needle. And I see the increasing numbers in these vulnerability reports, and we're going to continue to do them. We'll do you know each half. We we have a, a large one that's going past the last past three years to look at everything, and the the, the story is generally the same. There's still forever days. The OEMs are still dominating. Security vendors are still increasing their their cadence. Technology as as everyone's fifteen years old plus, <laughs> and it's kind of reporting bias, right? Like um, I've been like everyone looking at all the substation attacks. Uh, if you talk to some of the old graybeards, they go, you know what? People have been shooting substations um, for exactly. <laughs> 20, 30 years. Yep. So you don't want to diminish the threat. You don't want to diminish the importance of having secure products. You don't want to over, over inflate them either because we lose the trust of our operating community. And if they don't feel that we're advocating for them, then we're definitely not going to make these systems more secure. I have to be honest with you. I think that might be one of the most important things you've ever said that I've heard you say. Um, honestly, baselining and understanding our history in this space is so critical. Just because it's becoming popular now with Congress, with press, just because people are paying more attention to it doesn't mean that the incidents have changed. It doesn't mean that there are less squirrels setting off boxes at electrical plants, right? It doesn't mean there are, you know, dudes or gals with shotguns who are hunting and accidentally, accidentally blow up a, a station, right? We have a history and we know what that history is and the owners and operators 100% know what that is. So when we come in with our high media and our high congressional support and, 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 it's super important to be able to recognize that there is a history here that people need to take into context. Mm -hmm. So I, mm -hmm. that was amazing. I'm so glad you said that on my podcast. It was so great. <laughs> It's everything's about balance, balance in the force, balance in all things, right? Um, it, it, we cannot, the threat's real, the problems, the challenges are real. I think, and what we've heard is that the operator community is tired of saying, you should do this, like partner with us, tell us how, help us how. And honestly, uh, they should, yeah. you know, you and I have talked about this after being in ICS for, you know, 15, 20 years, is that they know the, that they have problems. They absolutely do. But they don't necessarily have things that they can grasp to solve them. And that's where, I think that's where legislation and policy could really come into this and and make some changes without it being fear-based, without it being the sky is falling, Russia is coming, you know, hug the curb. 
I think there's <laughs> a better way, right? Policy should drive budget or should open up opportunities for budget because budget and resources rule the world. And uh, even if you convince a plant manager that cybersecurity is of the utmost importance, you do all the risk analysis. If they don't have the budget and resources, there's nothing they can do about it. Absolutely. And so we need to create from a regulation, it needs not to be the stick, but it needs to be the convenient excuse to go do cyber, like real security, not regulated control security, which is often not real security. But let's remove the barriers to allow them to go do this because they do want to. You no, know, I keep going back to to grant funding. And, mm -hmm. you know, this is just my own personal history of seeing grant funding in in use and working, but it, it doesn't matter if you're giving it to local law enforcement to support the ICS community. It doesn't matter. It, mm. Like, great. So now the police department and the fire department are super prepared for anything, but they're not the ones who are actually at the plant dealing with the issue. We need directed grant funding in this country that goes to ICS owners and operators of all sizes to help them deal with these threats. Otherwise, we're never going to see a major change. We're never going to see a major bump forward because they simply don't have, and it's not their fault, they just don't have the resources to do that. It's almost like the folks that are deciding on policy have never actually worked in these jobs. Before. Oh, well, right. isn't that everyone? <laughs> so, you know, yeah, it's, I mean, it's kind of a, it's an easy throwaway comment, but, you know, I always go back to Ultimar, which everyone brings up like, oh, that we could have poisoned however many thousand people. Those operators were using TeamViewer, not because they necessarily wanted to. I imagine they requested more equipment for more screens. Of they don't want to have to remote it. And so they, they had to find a way. Mm -hmm. And most everything you look at, every attack vector is usually like a remote connection in to industrial. Why is that remote connection open? Why is it not secured? It's operators trying to find a way. To continue with because the technology isn't available to do that because it's 15 years old or 20 years old or because it simply doesn't have security built into it mm. and that's not the operator's problem and it's certainly not you know the owners and operators who should be blamed for that it's it's a much larger problem and sometimes what's worse is they'll they may have requested hey we need to upgrade our remote connectivity infrastructure here you know we need a million dollars to do x y and z and they were probably denied yep right and it's like, oh. so, I mean, I, you know, back, back to the vulnerability side, we get fixated on vulnerabilities in our space because it's so quantifiable. Yeah. Like I can go and you can go get public data, do the spreadsheet Olympics, do the magical math and go, hey, 35% of patches released in this, you know, half of the year will never be patched or vulnerabilities will never be patched. And so we tend to fixate on things we can quantify. And I'm not saying that's wrong. It's just, we don't need to over amplify this either. And so the context of this is what the community can do with what they have. These are the vulnerabilities that honestly shouldn't be reported on. Or, you know, like if, again, if, if there's no patch, then why, I'm not a big obscurity guy, but like, why amplify this so much? Yeah, it you shouldn't be in the news, like show other people about A, like obscurity, mm -hmm. right? But also B, it shouldn't be going against the owners and operators that these are problems when they can't right. fix them. You and know, I, this, hmm, go ahead. just a, a quick question, because I, I don't think I asked this before, and I, I don't think I saw it specifically in the report. I may have, but missed it. So... In this study, were you looking at all critical infrastructure or were you focused on a very specific subset like electricity or water or et cetera? 
So the limit, the limiting factor or the scope of the study was what CISA reports through advisories. And so this is interesting because they started uh, maybe around 2020 reporting on medical advisories separate from normal critical infrastructure. And now we have to remember in critical infrastructure, we have to remember in cybersecurity that we're not the only people in the room. Right? Oh, CISA yeah. has a huge mission that is not power plants and refineries. But they started to report on advisories the same. So the scope is limited to what CISA amplifies from a CVE. Now, what's interesting and what would just take, just talk about tens of thousands of vulnerabilities. There's so many enterprise vulnerabilities that are in use in industrial that you have no way of quantifying. Every Windows bug, every Linux bug, every Cisco router switch Absolutely. bug. And uh, honestly, those are like the most impactful right? Yeah, they are. are ones that are going to be ransomed. They're going to be exploited. And there's so much you look there's at the a log four J's and the solar winds and the, oh, shit. Right. But the study <laughs> was limited to like, hey, this is what CISA puts out as advisories for ICS. Uh, so that covers multiple sectors. And they do identify which sectors, but it's kind of a wag. You go, well, you know, this controller is used in robotics. So that's not power plants. It's critical manufacturing. All right, we take it at face value. Yeah. Uh, but the, the interesting thing is to see not necessarily CIS's fault, not really anyone's fault, but maybe us as a larger community, now that it has the CISA advisory stamp on it, it's now more official. It's more amplified. Right. We're even seeing, which this is a trend I hate, uh, so if I, can, if I can use that word strongly, uh, someone called ICS Patch Tuesday. I saw this a few weeks ago, and I went, oh, dear Lord, let's not do that. Because first of all, that's not a thing. Second of all, no one's patching anything on Tuesday. Like they were releasing vulnerabilities at a higher rate. Um, but I'm seeing things like CISA's social media tweeting out, we released four more advisories today. And then blogs and outlets pick that up and go, there were four more critical bugs in this controller. And then they add their little flavor to it. This controller controls water which is the lifeblood of civilization and could poison millions. You could also You're say like, about literally every other piece of critical right. infrastructure. <laughs> Thank you. So it's not a, I'm not advocating for no more reporting or even the transparency in reporting. It's just us as an industry, everyone included, needs to take a step back and go, whoa, who, who are we actually speaking for here? Is it ourselves? Is it our own self-interest? Is it our own metrics? Or do we actually want to secure critical infrastructure? And the funny thing is the joke prize, and we used to just berate people for saying like obnoxious things like we, we fend off millions of attacks per day. No, you don't. You get millions of packets that are scanning your perimeter per day. And that's the context we need in industrial that's just sorely missing. That's so true. You know, I, I feel like in terms of publicity and PR and news and things that get reported, you know, like Google and Microsoft and other companies are reported as, you know, we, we fight off a trillion blah, blah, blah once a week. Right. Okay. Well, maybe that's true for Google or Microsoft, but that's not a realistic anything for anybody in the ICS community. Um, simply because they don't have the tools, they don't have the equipment, they don't have the updates, they don't have the patches, they don't have any of that. Yeah. And I think that should be a much scarier idea 
right? The fact that we can identify that for commercial, for enterprise, but we can't identify that for critical infrastructure because we're not giving enough back to the owners and operators to help them do that. And that's that's one of our missions at Sinsaber too, is, is that level of observability, visibility is way too low. So how can we actually work with our operator community to make it scalable, to make this, because they shouldn't have to go, well, we don't have any telemetry, so therefore no attacks are happening. So we can ignore all these vulnerabilities. We don't have to patch anything because we're good. That's and the other We're just going to knock on some wood before we go home every day. Right. <laughs> right, yeah, better safe than sorry, right? It's like, well, you know, if, uh, if and we're seeing this a lot with ransomware. The uptick in ransomware has revealed this problem where they don't really know what's going on in OT from a cyber perspective. So you'll see plants shut down better safe than sorry, or they're finding out the hard way what's critical to the process that happens to live in enterprise. And that shouldn't be revealed because some you know ransomware group happened to hit them. That, that's not the way to learn this. Yeah. And it shouldn't be, it shouldn't end up on the internet showing all of these vulnerabilities for that particular sector. I mean, it's like, hey, hackers, look what we got here, fire sale. <laughs> Come check this out. And look at how easy it is. Nothing's authenticated and everything's not patched. It's exactly. like, oh boy, yeah. You know, I, you already know this and I know you know, you're the same. Like we could talk about this for hours and hours and hours because it's so interesting and there are so many solutions that are there that can come together and that would like really help with this. But if you were talking to the president right now, or you were talking to Congress right now, after writing this report and after showing them this report, what would you advise them to do? What would you say, this is how we start to address this problem? I would say that this Reporting on vulnerabilities is a leading indicator of overall industrial product security and quality. And what was acceptable 10, 20 years ago because things were more disconnected mm -hmm. is no longer the case. Yeah. So now is the time to focus from a product stance, understanding this is private industry, understanding that you can't regulate Siemens, which is a German company. We need to start figuring out creative legislation, incentives, help our operator community come up with that procurement language or those, you know, put arrows in their quiver to where when they have these interactions with an Emerson or a Siemens or a Schneider, that they are equipped to speak intelligently, to act on their own, you know, um, accord. And the government can provide some oomph behind that. So it's no longer just my local utility calls up, you know, SEL and says, we want more security in our products, that may be ignored, right? Get some some sort of consortium, consortium or some sort of government backing to say, no, 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 this is the new way of doing things. And if you want to play in the US, if you want to sell your products here because it's a national security issue, then you will do these things. And that is, that's so tough. Well, I saw that in the military. It took years and years and years to get that through military. Well, I saw that in FISMA. But the same thing applies. You know, they just, mm -hmm. that, that legislation was released saying that if you want to work for DOD, you have to have CVs taken care of in a certain amount of, <laughs> of time. And frankly, that's crazy talk for a lot of the same reasons, mm -hmm. right? Because they can't possibly mm -hmm. fix every CVE. So I think that there's there's this um, this this 
explosion or combination explosion that's going to happen between SBOM and CBEs and this issue that says, okay, we're looking probably at the wrong people for this problem. Mm -hmm. We need to be looking at all the people in the supply chain, all the vendors in the supply chain and understanding their issues as well, which again is kind of the point of the SBOM and, and supply chain piece, but there has to be some teeth with that, right? If the, the DOD can come out and say, you can't have any CBEs that are older than, you know, like six months to be a DOD contractor, then maybe, I don't know, maybe CISA could come out and say, well, you can't have any CBEs that are 15 years old because we know right. there's a patch for that, right? <laughs> it was pretty wild to see that. And, and when my background's in the military and then defense contracting, and you saw this with the defense industrial base, but the if you equate your Lockheed Raytheon Northrop to ABB Siemens Emerson, those are private companies, but they said, you will follow this process, you will meet these standards or else you're not getting any government money. Yep. Now we don't have that exact corollary in industrial because there's not a lot of government money, but if there was, now they have That's the- That's what I'm saying. That's right? why that grant funding needs to yep. change. It needs to be rewritten so that we're not giving it to state and local authorities, but we're actually giving grant funding. We're giving carrots to mm -hmm. the owners and operators to do the right thing. And then we can say, well, you didn't do all of this. So that grant funding is gone. You don't get grant funding for the next year. That's a very different kind of dynamic than what exists today. It's playing on some just human psychology. There's some FOMO, there's some, you know, I don't wanna be left behind against my peers. I don't wanna be the outlier. And these are all things, again, it's not an exact uh, combination, but even with vulnerabilities, how do we get more secure systems? It's not from burdening asset owners with more patches. It's, it's empowering our operators to go to their vendors and say, this is what we need from you or else we're not purchasing. Absolutely. And until that starts to happen, whether that's government regulation or maybe this so industry just gets together. I want to hit on that for one second, because you just said something that I think a lot of people in enterprise security don't necessarily understand is that in ICS, there are only so many vendors that do a thing, right? Mm -hmm. So there's kind of a monopoly for them to say, this is what we're going to do and you're just going to have to deal with it versus the enterprise or the public sector where there are lots of different options that you can negotiate and you have a little bit more power with. That's not the case in ICS. No, there's, there's not there, enough of them. There's no open source power plants, right? Yes. There's no Raspberry Pi will run a pipeline. Uh, Nuclear it, plants uh, happening, right? And, um, and again, there are some similarities to weapon systems, to, to DOD, because it's the same thing. I'm not going out and building a, a fighter jet um, in my backyard, although that would be interesting. And and so, yeah, so what can we so do? So side then? note, we should totally do that. Like there's a great Lego set. Let's build a fighter jet with Legos. Drones just... are a thing now. Oh my gosh, we, physical security and drones. Forget people shooting up substations. Oh my oh, Lord, yeah. don't get me started. But yeah, no, it, it um, because this is still, you know, CISA last year and the government was big on the public-private partnership. And it's a realization that you cannot force anyone to do this. Yep. Um, so what are the incentives? Especially knowing they just don't have the resources to just mm -hmm. do it. There is no, uh, this goes back again from an ICS vulnerability stance. What is the value to the operator? Oh, it's none. They're not going to do anything about it then. 
So how do we start to incentivize either in our messaging and our reporting and our partnership with them to show this has value to you. It gives you more reliability, more visibility into your processes. Uh, it, it keeps, even if it's just, it keeps the government off your back for a little longer. We have to find some ways to incentivize and then give them the resources and know how to do it. Otherwise it, it will just be year after year saying, yep, vulnerabilities are getting worse, attacks are increasing and we'll be at the same place we are now. Well, I have to tell you, I was really impressed with the report and I like the the data that is presented there is presented in a very clear cut way. And I honestly wish that every congressman like had to read this <laughs> or congresswoman or senator mm -hmm. had to read this to just have some level setting about what exactly we're talking about when we talk about some of these issues. Um, right. And I'm going to send it to everybody I know when it's available for release. <laughs> I'm going to send it to everybody. And, you know, it's important that we understand the very delicate nature of the difference between ICS and enterprise. So I, I really appreciate that you guys did this and I hope you expand on it a little bit more and talk about, you know, maybe other sectors or other reporting agencies that are specific to sectors, maybe the nuclear regulatory commission or the chemical side, or, you know, um, arms that already have regulation in place that may be doing it in a certain way that might make sense that aren't necessarily regulatory in nature, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of, and, and of course, looking only at CISA is a very U S biased look. Mm -hmm. Uh, so looking at other agencies and although, uh, U.S. leads the way in certain cases when it comes to industrial security, it would be fascinating to look at how other uh, kind of sister agencies are, are handling. We had, there was a few vulnerabilities that we noted in the report that were uh, reported by the Korean uh, version of CISA, which is exciting. Like we need this again, it's a global effort. It's a global economy, global products. And yeah, so we'll continue. We have a, a you know, the report will be out soon. And yeah, it was, uh, lots of spreadsheets and lots of fun. We were trying to present <laughs> data in a way that people can understand it. We're providing insights, but then you can look at it and say, oh yeah, here, here's some other things we saw as well. So I'm glad you enjoyed it. I really did. And I can't wait to share it with everybody that I know who cares about ICS security. <laughs> so uh, honestly, thank you. You're gonna come back. Like in case you haven't noticed, Ron's one of my favorite people and he's on all the time because we like to like get down and dirty with Congress and legislation and reading policies and we're nerds like that. So he's definitely going to be on the show again. Thank you so much, all y'all. This has been your first episode in 2023 of the National Blast. Let's kick some ass, kids. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the National Blast Podcast with Keenan Skelly. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSPMagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.